Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When he drinks, he thinks. That's the nectar of the gods, baby. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the number one liquid-fueled, liquid-lubricated show on the interwebs. This is the Whiskey Musings Broadcast, and I am your happier-than-a-puppy-with-two-peters host, Rick. Why am I happy? Well, I'm happy because I am here with you guys. I am I I love doing this show and especially now that I get interaction on just about every single live stream. I love it. I want more of it. I need you to do me a favor and get the word out to anyone that you haven't already talked to, pass the word on, put it on your social media. Let people know, especially those who would appreciate this kind of program and this kind of content. And I will be eternally grateful to you for that, of course. All right. Um, tonight, I have something that was um, spoken by a very prominent um, conservative host this, this past week. I'm not exactly sure when he spoke it, um, but I know that, that, I mean, it was within the last few days. It's a very popular radio show and broadcast. No, it's not the Mark K show. I know I keep pushing Mark and he does have some stuff, but unfortunately in this particular case, that is not tonight's profound statement. I'll get to that in just a minute. But first, if you're like me and you like to listen to American style music. I'm I'm not talking about like a specific genre. What I'm talking about is music that was created historically here in the US of A and are interested in um are and are interested in a venture that I have. I have a joint venture with a with a couple of other people and we started this wonderful little thing called the True Grit Roots Network. The True Grit Roots Network, TGRN, champions independent artists while paying respect to the pioneers who shaped modern roots music, featuring outlaw country, blues, and rock with a unique twist of urban that is carefully selected and purposely put together. We are the radio highway that connects the back roads, highways, and city streets to your favorite dance hall, roadhouse, and Juke Joint. TGRN provides original, exclusive programming and interviews that are produced and hosted by our own team of DJs, hosts, and personalities. Find us on the web at tgrn.net to download our app in the App Store and from Google Play. Alternatively, you can also find us in the Live 365 catalog of internet digital radio stations and through the Live 365 app as well. You can also play our station on your Amazon Alexa by saying play True Grit Roots Network from Live 365. Be sure to use the word from in the command. Play True Grit's True Grit Roots Network from Live 365. Breaking boundaries for authentic roots radio, True Grit Roots Network, TGRN.net, out of Austin, Texas. And yes, full disclosure, I am a owner, part owner of that venture. And we don't we'd appreciate it. We're in our soft launch right now. Um and uh and honestly, we um we're, we're trying to just garner some, some movement. It's sort of just like this broadcast. I mean, we're in our, we're in our first, um, first set of stuff going on. And, uh, you know, we, we bring a, a mix of music that I, that I think 
is speaking truly about Americana. And, uh, you know, so do me a favor, just give it a try. We're, we're going to hit about 30,000, um, listens here, probably before our, our massive launch, uh, slated right now to go first of October. And, um, yeah, I would appreciate just a listen over there, just like you're listening here on this broadcast. I want to welcome all of the people who are brand new to the show, who are brand new here. Um, I appreciate you coming and checking it out. If you like what you see and you've checked out some of my other videos and you think it's great, um, then do me a favor, give me a follow on wherever it is that you're doing. I prefer Rumble. So going to Rumble, signing up for an account, and of course, subscribing over there would be my preferred method. But if you don't want to deal with Rumble or, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but if you don't, you can do it on YouTube. You can also follow me on all my social media, which will be popping up here right over right over here where this hand is um, during the show as we go along. All right. And we welcome everyone. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Redford1238, uh, for making that comment. I appreciate that on the chat. The party is over in the chat in Rumble, I can tell you that much, because just about everybody's over there. Um, not saying that I can't see the other places. I do see, um, you know, chats coming in from YouTube and also from uh, Facebook, but um, it's just great. It's uh, Come on over to Rumble if you can. So that would be, that would be awesome um, for that. All right. Um, before I get into the program, I was sent a poem um, for tonight. And and honestly, I've seen this poem before. I've heard this poem before. Um, but I think it's really apropos in the sense that we have, you know, the primaries, a lot of primaries are going on. This is an election year of uh, 2022. Yeah, 2022. Um, I had to make sure I was saying that correctly. Um, and, you know, basically kind of dealing with this this kind of um, uh, broadcast, the the fact that I'm I'm a little fledgling podcast maker, you know, and uh, content creator, I think is what they call them. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is something that um, that I'm definitely going to keep doing. I like it. I enjoy it. I love the interaction with all of the peeps here. And um, this is just great. So I uh, get to that in just a second. Before I do, though, I need to let everybody know what I'm drinking tonight. It is the Pabst Blue Ribbon Whiskey. Now, just so you know, this whiskey comes um, clear and you'll see you can kind of see a little bit of a of a caramel colored tint to it. That is because of the fact that I actually treated it afterward. I got it specifically to do what I'm about to tell you. I grabbed, um, I grabbed one of those, those barrels and you see them around. They're whiskey barrels, they're aging barrels that you can buy. And, uh, I just went and stuck it in there for a couple of weeks. It, it sucked it out of the, um, you know, suck the caramel color out of the barrel, kind of aged it a little bit, gave it a little bit different flavor um, because, and, and it's an oak barrel that's been burned on the inside. So it gives it a little smoky flavor as well um, for those of you that want it, but you can get different ones. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of great. Um, I, and so I'm, I'm drinking that tonight. It was my creation, I guess, uh, with obviously Pabst Blue Ribbon's help, PBR's help. Um in, in terms of that. And so that's what I've got in my glass tonight. Mm. All right. I'm seeing some more people come in. Welcome to Jarhead and to um, Outlaw Dogs. Outlaw Dogs is actually over on YouTube because apparently they're having an issue getting into Rumble. That's kind of interesting. Um, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Amy, Amy Jean. Um, I thought that too, when I first saw it, um, but I, I tried it and, and it actually isn't that bad. Um, it's, I will, I will say it's not one of my favorites, um, because obviously I'm partial to Irish, which I've just to let you guys know, I've been getting a lot of of flack over not having a single bourbon on the program. So I'm looking to change that here in the near future. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you it will, it will, I will have a bourbon on the program. 
in the near future. I'm not going to, not going to tell you which one, but I am going to have it, um, soon. Uh, okay. So, um, let me get on to the poem. Now, tonight's poem is titled Don't Quit, and it's by John Greenleaf Whittier, or Whittier, depending upon if you want to throw a little French accent onto it. Um, But again, this is Don't Quit by John Greenleaf Whittier. When things go wrong, and they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, and as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure comes about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though. The pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of clouds of doubts. And you can never tell just how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when you're hardest hit. It's when these things seem worst that you must not quit. For all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. And that is the Don't Quit poem by John Greenleaf Whittier, or Whittier, however it's pronounced. And apparently he died in 1892. Okay. You know, that's actually kind of apropos now now that I think about it. I mean, you know, especially in today's day and age, we've got, we've got a lot of stuff happening. We've got some, some serious things going on, uh, in the world that, you know, can get us down, but we need to have a positive attitude. We can't quit. We must keep moving on. We must keep moving forward. Um, you know, when I got into this podcasting game, I was told early on that podcasting is a long game. It's not something that you can just gain immediate internet fame off of. And, and I have to save after doing this for, you know, a little over two years, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm starting to get the hang of it. I'm starting to get a following. I, and I appreciate all of you and, and it's right. You just, you can't quit. You can't quit. And I went through several iterations. I mean, if you look at my, my videos way back in the beginning, you know, episode one through 10 in particular, you'll see that I had a lot of, of things that I had to work on and change and, and moving forward here within the last 10 episodes, you can see that things have really started to take off. And I'm, I'm appreciative of all those who have stuck with me throughout the entire time as I've gone through this transformation. Um, this is awesome. We just, we, we can't quit. We cannot quit. And in terms of inspiring um, quotes and inspiring poems and things like that, um, I definitely want to bring this up. So Mark Levin, I don't talk about him much, but I do listen uh, to his radio broadcast that he does at night. And occasionally I'll catch one of his videos, I think on life, live Liberty and Levin and that kind of stuff. And, and I've played a couple of his speeches. He, he is an inspiring person. I, I think, um, from the standpoint of some of the things that he says, his viewpoints, um, I do have trouble sometimes when he gets going on a complete rant with his voice because it is very nasally. Um, but that's something that I can take a look, um, take a look out of. And, uh, and so anyway, um, he made a quote this past week on one of his, one of his podcasts. I listened to him on Spotify, um, which by the way, you can get my podcast on Spotify as well. If you miss the broadcast live, you can go to Spotify and catch up and just listen to the audio portion of the program. Um, but he made a comment or he made a quote about conservatism. And this is the quote. Exactly. Conservatism is not about ideology. Conservatism is about principled philosophy. And that struck me. It struck me really as being incredibly profound. Um, because of the fact that he's right. I mean, conservatism is not exactly an ideology like 
communism, Marxism, leftism, liberalism, those all have an ideology to where they have certain rules that they try to stick to, that they hang on, that they, um, that they have to follow regardless of other thoughts or other possibilities or other information that might come, um, come about because of it. And so conservatism doesn't follow that because we have conservatives that believe it or not are pretty much across the board. I mean, we, we all have a general sense of what conservatism is as a philosophy in terms of things like law and order, um, justice, the rule of law, uh, equal opportunity, not necessarily equal outcome, but equal opportunity for people to have the opportunity to use what you have to the best of your ability in order to gain the next level or gain whatever goal you might be going after. These are all things that conservatism has as part of its base philosophy. And the thing that he calls out in terms of principled is being principled, basically, at least from my interpretation, from where the way that he's using it, is that we believe these things and we, we adhere to them as a kind of as a, as a guideline, as a rule to follow, like the rule of law. We pretty much believe that law needs to be applied everywhere, equally across the board, and having that principle understanding that the law itself should not be broken, um, should not be modified, should not be bent. Like what we see often with the Department of Justice in today's, um, you know, leftist-driven Department of Justice. This, these are principles. These are things that we adhere to. And to, to adhere to them and change the minds of the people as we go along we don't necessarily stray from those principles. We don't stray from our philosophy based on those principles. We tend to try and hang on to them and, um, and make sure that. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Conservatism it has its best foot put forward. Now, does that mean that everybody who is a conservative is going to follow all of this? No, we've had, we've had arguments back and forth and and you can tell that even like the Republican party, even now is kind of fractured. So we don't have the same mindset uh, in terms of an ideology per se, that would put us into the same exact box. Um, what we do find, though, is that with our principles, with our philosophies, with our um, values, with our uh, desire to have, you know, individual freedom, um, limited government, um, available things for everyone, small taxes, you know, capitalism, all of these things are essentially part of our principled philosophy. And we stick to these as we move forward with our goal, which is to make life better for everyone, not just conservatives, but for everyone. Whereas the left, the left focuses on its, its ideology and adheres to that ideology regardless of when they've been presented with facts and evidence to the contrary, they still hang on to that ideology. Whereas a conservative will actually go and modify their beliefs, not, not wholeheartedly scrapping them, but modifying them based on the new information that's been coming in. And so 
I wanted to share that with you because I felt it was it was very profound in terms of its its simplicity by the great one Mark Levin. And once again, the quote that he gave was conservatism is not about ideology. Conservatism is about principled philosophy. All right. So tonight, to give you a more of a uh, look into what we've got going on, I've got several articles here. I want to talk a little bit about the um, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is anything but inflation reduction. And uh, I've got a great pet of the week this week. And in fact, I see the owner in the chat over here. Um, and the owner of this frisky feline is, um, it, well, well, I'll get to that in just a few minutes. So one thing that happened under Biden's watch, which he's taken a lot of criticism for, is the, um, the, the, the fact that he pulled completely out of Afghanistan. And he did it in such a way that he essentially just let the entire foundational structure that we had built over 20 plus years of being in there collapse underneath the Afghans. He also left a bunch, we don't even know the total count, but a bunch of patriots and Americans over there. And he did it in in the most, I mean, literally the most ugly way possible. I mean, let's just not, let's not even, I don't even want to sugarcoat any words. He did it in the most ugly way possible. And one of the things that I said when that occurred is I said, you know, first of all, um, we shouldn't have left Bagram Air Base. Air Base. Um, that was a strategic location. And even now we have essentially a, um, uh, a black hole of intelligence information coming out of that region of the world because of the fact that we left Bagram. We could have very easily kept Bagram kept it and kept it out of the Chinese hands, by the way. Um, but we could have easily kept Bagram ourselves and been utilizing it as a base of operations um, for, you know, strategic missions within that sector of the planet. Now, the thing is, is if we had kept Bagram, the question I have is whether or not China would still be doing some of the things that they're doing toward Taiwan um, I think that that honestly believe that his pullout from Afghanistan also spurred the Russians on. But one of the things that happened when we did pull out was the fact that, according to Biden, that we had already taken care of ISIS and Al Qaeda and other terrorist cells and that they were not going to become a part of the Taliban um, controlled Afghanistan after we had left. Well, take a look at this article from the post-millennial. Uh, first of all, we, we attacked, we drone struck a guy and got him. Uh, he was the number two of Al-Qaeda, supposedly under bin Laden. And um, now we have this right here, which is saying that Al-Qaeda is actually in Afghanistan, you know, killing the guy in proof, uh, it being proof, I would say, um, even though Biden had said that the group was gone. So here's the thing about it that, that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, yes, we wanted to give um, and, and get out of a 20-year war in Afghanistan. Um, but realistically, toward the end, we had not had any American deaths up until the 13th as we were pulling out. And so it was more likely that we could have just stabilized with the status quo and kept the terrorists out. Unfortunately, a sign like this tells me that we may have a bit much bigger problem because now you have number two, which, by the way, there is some stuff going around on the Internet as to whether or not the guy actually was <laughs> the guy that we went after. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, um, but. The key here is that, you know, even if it wasn't the guy, it's still a, a evidence. It's still evidence that the, the whole idea of us getting out of Afghanistan and having to deal with the Taliban and making the Taliban 
um, agree to not having um, uh, terrorists back in, okay, is is just it, it's it's a farce. It's a fallacy. I mean. When we left, those people, especially the young women and girls that were there, had never known anything from the regime before. So you can just imagine in your mind, and maybe you can't. I mean, maybe you can't go to that level. But but honestly, I mean, the quality of life for the people that are over there, they, they are having all kinds of issues, okay? Um, so, you know, having all kinds of issues over there, the, the women over there are being forced back into the burkas. They can't be outside without men. They, there's, you know, there's just so many different things that we've got going on. And we also can't forget the fact that, that, you know, Biden didn't even bother to like pick up any of the vehicles and everything else that we had. Um, you know, the American people, unfortunately, really looked down on Biden. And as though, even though he is talking about you know, and purporting this this drone strike taking out this Al Qaeda terrorist as sort of the Soleimani of his um, regime or his, not regime. I don't want to say regime, but the Soleimani of his presidency trying to gain points. He cannot eclipse the fact that we have essentially handed, um, even though you know they don't, the White House denies this, we've essentially handed the Taliban and Afghanistan over to terrorists because the Taliban doesn't care. I mean, as long as they remain in power, they'll harbor any fugitive terrorist, whatever that they want. I mean, that was obvious from the get go as to when we went in there in the first place. And so he hasn't really gained anything. Um, so to sit here and to, to actually look at this and say, Oh, this is a positive for the Biden administration. It really isn't. I mean, at least not in my view and not in a bunch of other people's views. When you think of all of the things that we've lost, the the military advantage, the Bagram Air Base, all of our equipment, the 13 soldiers killed, um, which he famously looked at his watch during their coming off of the plane. Um, and then you have, <clears throat> of course, the loss of the intelligence assets within that region. It's just, it's, it's a disaster. It's a complete disaster. But what's even worse, to be honest with you, is the attitude of this government toward the American people, toward the American patriots that are out there. I mean, it was bad enough at one point that we were twice had the Department of Homeland Security list certain individuals and even I am fairly certain that I might be on that list. I'm probably not high on that list, um, but um, I'm fairly certain people like Dan Bongino, Mark Levin, um, several others are on that list. But it makes it even worse, to be honest with you, that you have this get uncovered by Project Veritas. Now, Project Veritas has found out that an FBI whistleblower actually leaked the Bureau's Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide on Militia Violent Extremists. And he they apparently cited that anyone who talks about Ashley Babbitt, for those that don't remember, um, he Ashley Babbitt was shot during the January 6th quote-unquote, insurrection, um, that um, that basically Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed during that time. The only person who was shot and killed uh, who actually died on January 6th. And, um, you know, she was, a, she was a warrior. She was a patriot. She was a military member. And she just happened to be apparently in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the gentleman who did it apparently has been absolved of any wrongdoing, which I don't understand how that can happen, but whatever. Um, so, one of the things that came out of this has to deal with symbols. And symbols being using things like 2A for the Second Amendment. Um, 
or the using revolutionary war imagery. Also, um, using things like the Gadsden flag or the Betsy Ross flag. Um, now, I'm going to be honest. I run a Gadsden flag every day here outside of special occasions where I have my, my large U.S. flag up, my 9 and nine by 5 um, U.S. flag, or sometimes 8 by 5 depending upon weather conditions. But I run the Gadsden flag. And for those that don't know what the Gadsden flag is, you've seen it. It's the yellow flag with the rattlesnake on it that says, don't tread on me. Um, there's other variations out there, but that's the most common variation that you'll see. And just like they did with symbols like the um, Confederate battle flag and some other symbols that are out there, um, they just they just um, want to get rid of symbols of rebellion. And they're going to do it. They're going to keep doing it as long as the FBI and the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security and everybody else that's up there believes, for whatever reason, that patriotism is a, um, is a negative thing. Now, take a look at this, this image here. This is an image taken from the, um, from the, 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 document i guess and there's like several images you can see like the spartan head um and actually let me see let me try and increase this just a little bit here while i to get it a little bit bigger for you guys all right so it's blurry i know but there's things like the the warrior culture the spartan head um that's right here in the right hand column You've got the, you've got the tree of liberty. You've got you know Second Amendment. You've got the Gadsden flag, the Betsy Ross flag. Which I don't even understand how the Betsy Ross flag can be tossed up there. Betsy Ross's flag is is part of our history, as being the first stars and stripes that we had. Um, anything about you know the Revolutionary War, uh, Revolutionary War imagery. Um, and then we also have common phrases. Uh, they have a bunch of different things here. I have the link to the Project Veritas article in the description below, so you can take a closer look if there's something. But apparently even talking about like Ruby Ridge and Waco and um, Timothy McVeigh and some of these other, other things are going to put you on a list. And the, the government is going to go and take a look and see, you know, what, what it is that you might be doing. Um, I got to see what this is. Hold on. No, I don't want that. All right. So, you know, once again, American patriots are ostracized by our own federal government. And I'm, it's this, this is just, just ridiculous. Um, to be honest with you, I can't even believe the American government is being allowed to do this. Um, but, Apparently, they're going to continue to go toward domestic terrorism and call it out as basically anyone who is patriotic in any kind of way, shape, or form um, is a domestic terrorist. And that is completely sad, and I can't wait for Republicans to get in. Hopefully, get out and vote, by the way, get out and vote, but I'm hoping that we can get into um, into the the... Uh, government and get some sense and semblance of order um, in under this. All right. Hmm. Now, before I move on to my next topic, let's go ahead and bring up, I want to make sure I'm doing this right here, because... Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. All right, today's pet of the week. And today's pet of the week. You know, one of the things about about cats in particular is that cats choose who they want to hang out with. And 
they choose the human that they want. They're not like dogs. Dogs, you can pretty much, I mean, after a little while, you can pretty much get a dog to kind of like and hang out with just about anybody um, when you become their owner. You know, that's why they're really, really easily picked up at at like rescues and things like that. And, and with time and effort, you can eventually get them to turn into a dog that will love at least one individual person. But with cats, cats, you can't do that. Cats choose who that owner is going to be. And tonight, pet of the week, and let me go ahead and get rid of that. Tonight's pet of the week comes from April. And April actually told me a couple different names I could call her by, one of which I am definitely not going to say. But um, she submitted, this is Shady, and according to what I'm hearing from April, is that she actually lived in April's yard um, for at least six months before April realized that, um, that Shady had decided that she was going to live with me. Now, I can tell you this is, this is true. Okay, this is true. We actually have an outside barn cat right now. His name's Badger. And he um, was originally owned by the neighbors. And they actually had him and his brother. Sadly, his brother got taken out by a car. And um, Badger ended up adopting us because he wasn't too fond of the two dogs that were um, running around up that were also owned by them. Um, and my dog at the time, um, my dog and even the dog that I have now, they're tolerant. They're completely tolerant of the cat. So he, he doesn't have any issues with them, but, um, Badger chose us just like shady chose April. Now, normally I ask for the breed of the animal, but considering this, um, this young cat, doesn't really have much of a breed. However, April described it as Holstein. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I have never, I have never, ever, ever heard of a cat breed called a Holstein. I have heard of cows having a breed of Holstein. I'm guessing you put that in there just because of the coloring. Um, but you know, some of the best cats, honestly, are the ones that just sort of drop into your lives. And we've actually had several here on the, uh, at the whiskey musings broadcast outpost. Um, and so hello shady and obviously welcome to April's family. And, um, yeah, so Apparently, Shady is kind of an interesting, um, oh, she looks like a cow, she says. April says she looks like a cow. Well, yep, she actually does. She looks a lot like the dairy cows that are um, somewhere nearby us here. And then um, Dave's Cave from YouTube popped in, and he says that uh, we had a cat named Shadow. Shadow and Shady. That would be kind of an interesting for the two of them. And all right. So, that is tonight's Pet of the Week. And thank you, April, for submitting. Um, If you want to submit your Pet of the Week, you can go ahead and do so. And you can actually reach out to me for just about anything at this email address. But you can go to fans, F-A-N-S, that's Frank Alpha November Sierra, at Whiskey Musings. Um, dot online fans f-a-n-s at whiskey musings dot online and you can um, submit your pet of the week you can submit questions for whiskey at that and um, and you can also you know if you if you have if you want to submit a background or whatever you can do that as well Um, i accept all of those ah I just, I just love seeing, you know, cats, pets by themselves, just, you know, just going and petting a pet or having a pet is, is, is stress relieving. It can actually, it's been medically proven to lower blood pressure. And I, I really appreciate, um, you know, you sharing these pics with me and, um, 
allowing me to, to share them with essentially the world. Um, cause now they are immortally, um, held on the internet because of course, once you put something on the internet, it can never ever be erased. And I think a lot of people have actually found that out in a very bad way. Um, so thank you, April. I appreciate that. All right. So one thing that, um, has happened here recently, I mean, back when the build back better plan, um, was being pushed by our illustrious president, um, two Democrat senators actually helped us out, helped the right out, helped America out, honestly, by blocking, um, passage of it. And it was a spending boondoggle. Okay. And it was essentially, um, it was essentially a, a money sucking pit. I'm just going to tell you right now, it, it, it was, it was paired out and turned into the infrastructure bill. Thankfully, a lot of the spending went away, but one of the bad things that happened is that spending by the government pushed it up to, um, inflation and caused our inflationary spike, no matter how often the Biden administration wants to say that that wasn't the case, that it was going to be a problem, that it was, you know, from Trump's fault, it was Putin's fault, it was, you know, all of these other faults. Um, and all these economists who, you know, the ones that the White House was listening to totally missed the boat on this. But the ones that everybody else was listening to were saying, hey, guess what, guys, we got to stop printing money. We've got to stop uh, spending it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Senator Manchin got burned by cutting that out and by saying no to his party. And unfortunately, Manchin is kind of in a bad spot because he's a Democrat who is a representative from a red state. And so he has to play the line of not being as leftist or as liberal as the rest of the Democrat party has pushed. And so he kind of has to play a little bit of, and, and walk a little bit of a fine line. Now that doesn't mean that I trust him in any sense of the word. You cannot trust these people as far as you can throw them. It doesn't matter what party they're from. Any politician, honestly, um, who wants to be a politician, you can't throw, you can't trust them any farther than you can throw them. However, that being said, um, Manchin did us a favor with the build back better. He has not done us a favor with this latest deal that he penned with Chuck Schumer. And Chuck Schumer, I'm telling you, is just a complete snake. Okay, I'm sorry. He just is. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. He is just a complete snake. Um, but the White House touted the Mansion Schumer bill as being a and, and they aptly named it the Inflation Reduction Act. And I'm telling you, that's not what it does, but the Inflation Reduction Act, they wanted it to be one of those things, kind of like the the phrasing of the don't say gay bill in Florida. Um, Apparently in today's society, rather than actually looking and digging deeper, people just grab the headlines. They just grab the whatever the headline says and whatever the top line says. And they, um, you know, they essentially create these words and phrases to trick people into thinking different things. Now, one of the things that has come out since this originally broke, the story originally broke, is the fact that Manchin actually got concessions to put a gas, a natural gas pipeline in his state for something like $6.6 million or $6.6 billion. I'm not exactly sure of the exact figure, but basically what he wants to do is be able to go back to the state and say, Hey, look, I got you this pipeline, which is going to increase jobs in my state. So he's basically giving us a Dan Bongino family friendly double middle finger to the rest of America in order to survive in his own state and to survive his own political future. But here's the problem. The, famous Inflation Reduction Act actually does not do anything to reduce inflation. And 
check this out from the, this is also from the post-millennial. The White House finally admits that the Inflation Reduction Act will barely have an impact. Now, by barely, I'm talking about less than 0.5% on inflation within the years that the bill is in place up until the very end. It will have a very small impact in like 2032, I think. So this thing that is essentially the Inflation Reduction Act is not anything to reduce inflation. Now, one thing that it does do is it does make some balloon payments on some of our debt. So it does actually take a little bit of the, the debt away, but it's not, it's like a drop in the bucket, to be honest with you, in comparison to like all of the, the bills that have been coming out over the last few years with regards to COVID. Um, you know, our deficit spending has increased immensely just in the last five years. And I'm not just blaming Biden for that because Trump is also a part of it too. Um, in, in some of the things that he was doing as well, but the whole idea is to to stop inflation. I mean, Reagan did this when when Carter screwed everything up, is that Biden's got to stop spending money. He's got to lower taxes. He's got to um, lower regulations and then encourage the Fed to actually raise the interest rate over and above what the inflation rate is. And that's going to that basically kills essentially puts the economy into a, shall we say, using a aeronautical term, a physical stall in order to bring inflation back down. Um, Now, the other parts of this this Inflation Reduction Act that have been touted um, and Buddy actually brings this up right here. He talks about a tax increase. So there's a couple of parts that are a part of this in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, supposedly, and I'm just going to call it the Inflation Act, okay? It's not a reduction. I'm taking the reduction out. We're just going to call it the Inflation Act from now on. Um, but what they what they are doing is they are actually raising taxes, not only on individuals, but they are also raising it on businesses. Now, I'm not much of an economics major, but I can tell you, that I understand Econ 101, which is essentially in order to set a price, you have to understand your COGS, which COGS stands for cost of goods and services. As a part of that cost of goods and services, you have things like labor, you have things like benefits, you have things like taxes, you have things like the cost of the materials, the cost of the maintenance on the machinery that you might be using in order to make this good, Um, whatever it is that makes up the actual cost of building a particular product, that's what they... um, That's what goes into the cost of the product. And then on top of that, what you do is you put a, you put essentially a margin on top of that, whatever you want to make as part of your profit as an individual item per item basis, then that turns into your price. Now, prices can go up and down depending upon market rates, what the market will bear um, in terms of, you know, how much people buy. Uh, versus, you know, if it be if you price it too high, not not too many people are going to buy it. If you price it too low, there could be an issue, um, and and you end up to where you know you're not making enough money, so you end up in the hole. And so it's a very fine balancing act with this. But in terms of the 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 actual cost in making the product, you have to factor in every single line item that that you spend as an outlay as a company in order to make an individual good. And so one of this is one of the things that came out about this was in regards to the joint, uh, joint committee on taxation. Now this is the actual tables that were provided in order to understand the cost and what this, this bill is actually going to do. Um, 
And really quick, I see a question here, so I'm just going to pop this up real quick. So April's asking, um, what pipeline for Mansion? So he Mansion negotiated this deal, and it actually turns out that as a part of the negotiation, he gets um, government funding for a natural gas pipeline to either run through his state or to be a part of his state. And so that essentially, honestly, that was his greasing the wheels. That's what he got out of creating this deal for the Democrats, to be honest with you. Um, so anyway, so yes, it was it was construction of a natural gas pipeline within his state. And that brings things to his voters. I mean, it brings natural gas, it brings, um, you know, jobs, it brings um, companies and, and a little bit of stability to certain areas in his in his area, um, in his state. And, and so he can go back to his constituents and tout that as a win even though they're probably not really gonna gonna um gain anything to be honest with you out of it um, especially given um the biden administration's war on fossil fuels um but you know whatever it makes him feel good and he and he can use it as a talking point in the the democrats that listen or that that listen to him saying hey look i got this for you you know here it is um, they're just going to follow along like lemmings and go, yeah, that was cool. Yay. Woohoo. Anyway, sorry, guy digress. Um, all right. So I want to show this to you now. Now, Dan Bongino actually had a, on his, um, podcast two days ago, he actually had this listed and he had a much better graphic. I can't be quite as sophisticated, but I'm going to show you this last column over here with the average tax rate. And if you look under the present law that we have, you're talking about, you know, and it goes through, and I'm sorry, I kind of kind of swept by this, but if you look, each row is essentially a tax bracket. So you have less than 10,000 per year, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that Biden keeps touting is that nobody making under 400,000 will actually have to pay more taxes. All right. Um, here's the thing. If you look here, the third up from the bottom here is 200000 to 500000 and um, that is essentially the only tax bracket that is supposed to um, uh, have more in tax, according to Biden and his goal. But if you look over here, you can look each category. This first category, taxes go up in 2023 now. So this is for tax year 2023 is that it'll go from 7.3 to 7.6. It does actually stay the same for the next category at negative 0.5 to negative 0.5, but then it, it continues and you have a, sta a stability one here at 4.3, then it goes up 7.8 to 7.9, 10.4 to 10.5, 13.0 to 13.1, etc. all the way up. But you'll notice that it, it increases for almost every single category. And overall, the increase for the first calendar year, you have a 0.3% increase according to the, um, the financial, the, the JCT um, and their financial analysis of this. So they are literally lying to you. They are literally lying to you. So, you know, this is, this is certainly a problem. And so one thing that we definitely have to watch out for and hope and pray for is, if you recall when I started this segment, um, you had Manchin, who was like the first savior, but then we also have Kristen Cinema. Now, Kristen Cinema has also voted with Manchin against her party in the past, um, to the advantage of America and the detriment of her party. Um, but one of the things that cinema is um, essentially objecting to is a part of this plan has um, something that she doesn't like. And I can't remember right off the top of my head, but she is actually starting to take some flack. If you look at this article from hot air, she's actually starting to take some flack on this because she is going to take her time and actually look through this reconciliation bill. Now, everybody talks about reconciliation. So let me let me kind of explain this really quickly. 
in our budgetary cycles, if you're in a budgetary cycle already, and especially if you transfer presidents in that budgetary cycle, there is an allowance to allow the incoming president to basically do, I believe it's two reconciliations, budget reconciliations. And so those two reconciliations that can be done in order to true up the budget now that you have a newer president in um, can happen. The problem is, is that they have specific rules as to what they can do and what they can't within it, um, within this reconciliation. And so they they had a couple of these, um, a couple of things that happened early on in Biden's uh, tenure. They... Um, they essentially did not do a budget reconciliation on purpose because if they did, they would have had to um, do, they basically would have had to stick within the rules that were, that are in the requirements that dealt with budget reconciliations. So this one is actually turning around and coming back as a budget reconciliation. And again, so was the build back better build back better was designed to be a budget reconciliation as well. Um, but obviously it was, it was just a complete boondoggle, um, in this particular case now. So cinema, and I hate to say this, but Kristen cinema has now got all eyes on her and she has the choice of, um, either passing or not passing this bill. If she passes it in the Senate, then it moves on to the house and, and it will likely get approved by the house. If she says no, then it essentially falls again and or fails, I should say again. Um, and it, it has to go back and get renegotiated. Um, now she hasn't been, um, she hasn't been commenting apparently, according to, if you look at this, this, uh, Twitter, um, feed, she hasn't been commenting on it. Um, but the thing about it is, is that, let me see if she's, she's talking. Um, let's see if I can just read real quick where this is at. So, uh, it looks like she's, she's balking at at least one part of the agreement. And that has to deal with the carried interest tax hike. Um, the carried interest tax hike that provides most of the bill's funding. Now she has had a problem with the whole idea of carried interest, um, in the tax hike. And so, yeah, they, she's, she's got some issues here. Um, she has definitely got an issue with this. And if she sticks to her guns, um, because she adamantly proposed or opposed the proposition, um, for the past year, which included the carried interest tax hike, um, and she, she has, if she sticks to her guns, not saying she will, but if she sticks to her guns, we, we might get lucky, um, and, and miss this boondoggle, which is essentially an inflation act, not reduction act. Cause it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Um, inflation reduction out of this bill is, is not going to occur, not going to occur. I don't even know where the Democrats get the idea that, that reducing the deficit is actually going to reduce inflation. Inflation doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the deficit. I mean, they're tangentially connected, but the inflation itself is not going to, or sorry, paying down the deficit is not going to do anything for inflation. What we have in terms of an inflationary cycle is we have too much money chasing too few goods and services. So what we have to do is we have to kick up our GDP, our gross domestic product, in order to be able to cut down on inflation and cut back on, get people, actually get people to buy more uh, in terms of in terms of money get people to buy more so that they can, um, you know, and, and create more products so that people will buy more so that we get rid of the, the money supply that the government has actually given by throwing that out there. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I honestly, I don't know, um, what's going to happen here, but cinema may end up being our savior, which having our, um, saving grace, be a Democrat. It, it's a little tough to swallow, but hopefully she sticks to her guns. 
Um, and if you will give me just a second, my, my littlest kitty, which actually, hang on just a second. Folks, here we go. Pet of the week. This is a new one. This is Cleo. This is my, my wife's little baby cat. We got her two years ago. And um, she obviously is very curious. She likes being here in the studio and laying down behind my green screen. But right now she is, um, <laughs> she's scratching at the door to get out of the studio. So give me just a second. I'm going to open up the door for her. All right. Yeah, Cleo is actually um, short for Cleopatra. And she um, she was a uh, part of a two-kitten litter. The other um, boy, the boy cat, the other cat, was called Ray, which in Spanish apparently means king. And so because of the fact that they had Ray, they decided to name her um, Cleo. Short, or again, my son named her Cleopatra as, you know, kind of the king and queen. But anyway. Um, all right. So yeah, that's one. And then of course I talked about Badger earlier. So, all right, to get back on, on track here. Um, so one other thing that has been going on in the world that not everybody is talking about, of course, I mean, everybody's talking about China. Everybody is talking about the, you know, Pelosi trip to China, which by the way, I saw a report here just before I came on the air that talked about, um, uh, you know, she finally left and she was going on to, she left Taiwan and she was going on to South Korea. Um, honestly, I, other than talking to those people about maybe some of her insider training and her, um, uh, you know, her husband's semiconductor investments, I honestly, I'm not too sure what the purpose of that was, unless it might've been to just kind of like thumb her nose at China I suppose, because China was being so, you know, um, pissy about her showing up. But um, that being said, um, we got to understand from in terms of a concept portion or, or a conceptual portion, her trip was actually leaked. So it was supposed to be a super secret trip and it wasn't. It ended up being leaked um, to the press. But beyond that... Beyond the issues that we have with China and Taiwan, there was one other geopolitical issue outside of Ukraine that I've brought up on this program. And this is a, a serious, serious problem in the Middle East. And it has, it has to deal with Iran. Now, Iran has, as we all know, has been pushing um, to get a nuclear weapon. And so this came out of the Jerusalem Post um, just yesterday and it was updated. Uh, I'm sorry, it came out Monday and it was updated yesterday. Um, but new centrifuges have been brought online over in Iran. Okay. And this is a problem because Iran is enriching uranium. Now, there's a certain amount that apparently you can use um, in order to make a bomb. There is a certain amount that can also be used in order to fuel like a nuclear reactor, which is what they are attempting to do right now in terms of building a reactor. Um, however... The problem is that the amount that is used to create a bomb <laughs> is smaller than the amount that is used for a nuclear reactor. And so what Iran actually has done is they've activating they're activating hundreds of new and advanced centrifuges um, to enrich the uranium. And this is according to and I'm not even going to bother with his name, to be honest with you, I would end up mincemeating it all to heck. Um, but he's the spokesperson for the Iranian Atomic Energy Organ Organization. And he announced this on Monday that they were activating hundreds. And this is 500 of the IR6 machines will be activated over the next 10 to 15 days. 
according to the announcement. Now, the reason why I'm pulling this from the Jerusalem Post, obviously this is the Israel, um, one of Israel's newspapers, but the reason that I'm pulling it from there is because of the fact none, literally none of the American mainstream media is even bothering to look at this announcement. This is huge. Because as you've noticed, and as I've said before, that the potential of China attacking Taiwan, of, you know, Ukraine and Russia, they're already in it. And then you get Iran going after Israel in the Middle East. This essentially sets up a huge global conflict. Now, to be honest with you, We've heard reports over and over throughout the years about Iran being close and that they were going to have a nuclear weapon. In fact, it got so bad that um, somebody created a virus known as Stuxnet, which went and threw the Iranian centrifuges um, offline. It basically literally destroyed them. And although the, the actual perpetrator hasn't been um, pointed at, it looks to be a potential, uh, at least based on evidence that we have now, it looks to be a potential, um, at least a joint operation between the U.S. and the Israelis. Um, that being said, this is completely scary to have their capacity for enriching uranium increased um, essentially by hundreds is having some serious issues. And um, anyway, it's just, this is, this is something that I'm going to keep an eye on. I think you guys need to keep an eye on and you can read through the, the document or read through the the thing. Um, And also another thing that is really scary about this is because of the fact that if you look at this article from Just the News, that behind closed doors, a Democrat Senate chairman dismisses the idea of Biden's pursuit of Biden's pursuit of Iran deal as fantasy. So this thing is heating up. Iran is heating up again. Um, and we just we're just going to have, you know, the U.S. is just going to have some serious problems with this. Um, moving forward. I have one other article that I had, but I'm not going to get to it. Um, so I appreciate your time. I appreciate uh, you joining. And um, I want to say thank you for joining. If you haven't already, please go to Rumble, subscribe, you know, sign up for an account, subscribe. If you have to go to YouTube and subscribe there as well. Um, I appreciate the time and effort and everybody. I appreciate you joining. I love all my subscribers and thank you for your submissions to pet of the week. Um, thank you for your submissions to questions for whiskey. I do have one, um, for this weekend, but after that, I'm, I think I'm a little dry on, on questions. So think about that over the next two weeks. Um, otherwise we will see you on Saturday night. We'll see you next time on the whiskey musings broadcast. Good night, everybody.